Welcome to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. In chapter 55 of Isaiah, verse 11, God tells the prophet, So will my word, thee which goes out of my mouth, it will not return to me void without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. Standing on this promise, T.D. Stubblefield Ministries is committed to sharing biblical principles with individuals, families, churches, communities, and our world, believing that only the Word of God can advance us in God's perfect plan for our lives, where we can experience liberating faith, lasting hope, and unconditional love in a relationship with the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Here is Dr. T.D. Stubblefield with today's Advancing Word. I want you to turn with me to a passage in the epistle to the Romans, Paul's letter to the church of Rome, chapter 7, verses 21 through 25. We find these words, I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. For I delight in the law of God after the inward man. But I see another law in my members warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into captivity to the law of sin which is in my members. O wretched man that I am, who shall deliver me from this body of this death? I thank God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then with the mind I myself serve the law of God, but with the flesh the law of sin. May the Lord bless his word. I want to... Uh, share from this passage for a little while. And the thought uh, that I want to offer to you is this. Moving from good to grace. Moving from good to grace. You cannot read, and I encourage you to read the seventh chapter of Romans as you have opportunity But you cannot read this chapter and not observe and not notice or not be aware of the seismic shift, the monumental move in the passage that takes us from good to grace. It takes us from good to grace. Paul begins the chapter with acknowledging that for its part and its purposes, the law is good. The Mosaic law and all that was a part of it was good and is good. And then he acknowledges that it is good that he and other Jews like him were attempting to keep the law, attempting to obey the law. It was a good thing for them to will to do that. But what begins with good in this chapter ends with grace. You can read it for yourself. Don't take my word for it. But it begins with good and it ends with grace. And when I saw this, as I was reading through chapter 7, I thought about how this mirrors, in so many words, this passage particularly that we read heightens and highlights this shift. Because we all will agree that good is better than bad. We all will agree that good is better than bad. But we must not stop there because in the Christian life, what you and I have to understand, while good is better than bad, good is not good enough. 
good is simply not good enough. In his excellent commentary on the epistle to the Romans, Chuck Swindoll, the very popular pastor and and Bible teacher whose ministry now is in Dallas, Texas, he tags this commentary as this particular chapter 7, his commentary on it, as a portrait of a struggling Christian. But when we read the passage, what we will understand in chapter 7 of Romans, we have one of the most personal and one of the most transparent chapters in all of the Pauline writings. Paul basically pulls the curtain back and allows us to look into his spiritual life, allows us to look at his struggles. He's not trying to hide anything at this point. He shares his struggles. And as I said, as he shares his struggles, what begins with good ends with grace. Over the years, I've found encouragement now much more enlightened People have come up to me and said this, you're a good man, you're a good preacher, you're a good pastor, you're a good father, uh, you're a good husband, you're a good friend. But now when I hear that, I really want to say, no, it's not any of that. I'm a grace man. I'm a grace husband. I'm a grace pastor. I'm a grace preacher. I'm a grace friend because if it had not been, If it had not been for the Lord, I'm more aware, I'm more sensitized to God's grace now than I've ever been because I have learned over and over again his grace is sufficient. Paul does the same thing. He moves from good to grace. When I ask the text the question, how does this happen? How does this monumental move, how does this seismic shift take place in this text? Three things jumped out at me. First of all, there's a positive expectation. Paul says, here it is. He says, I would do good. It's a positive expectation. You know, for some years now, I've said that there is uh, some bad in the best of us. Just as there's some good in the worst of us. Somebody took that same thought and and said this, that you're not too bad to come into the church and you're never too good to stay out of the church. I believe it's safe as we look at this positive expectation today. I believe it's safe for us to say generally that Christians aspire to do good. And to be good, I think if I polled, if I had time to interview every one of you, I think without exception, you would say, Pastor, I'm trying to do good. I'm trying to do better. I'm trying to take it up a notch. There is a positive expectation that we have for ourselves. And, and not only that, we have that expectation for others who call themselves Christians. I mean, I get concerned when, when I see people who look like they're stuck in traffic. Same old stuff. Same old talk. Same old mess. <laughs> because people have a positive 
expectation. If I asked our counselors, our therapists to chime in today, they would tell me that having a positive expectation, a desire to be good, a desire to grow, a desire to be better, to achieve more is part of what it means to have a healthy and balanced life. I mean, not any of us, I'm sure, are like those people that Micah wrote to in Micah 2 and 1 when he says, Woe to them that devise iniquity and work evil upon their beds. I would hope as I look at you today that we all are people who get up in the morning and there's a positive expectation. I would do good. I would do good. HBO Sports has a very good documentary, an excellent one on Vince Lombardi. The trophy that will be won today at the Super Bowl is named after Vince Lombardi. He became the coach and general manager of the Green Bay Packers in 1959 and in two years led them to two NFL championships and then some three years later led them to three more consecutive championships. He died at... 57, a devout Catholic of cancer. And Vince Lombardi would often say, he said, if you chase perfection, you may find excellence along the way. And he was a man who had a positive expectation. He desired to do good, actually to do great. And he desired that in his players. But the documentary is clear and revealing that it came with a cost. Because good is not good enough. His wife struggled with alcoholism and his children who were interviewed in the documentary, there were times when they felt estranged from their father. When I would do good. It's an expectation. It's an aspiration that each of us owe to those who love us, who depend on us. When I would do good, it should be the motto that motivates every meaningful ministry. When I would do good, should undergird every marriage and every parent-child relationship. When I would do good, should be the mindset of every member of every local church. When I would do good, should guide and guard our behavior in the workplace. But I'm here to tell you today, while all that is true, good is not good enough. Because there's a second movement in the text. There's not just a positive expectation, but there's a painful exclamation. When I would do good, evil is present. I think the the person who wrote that song, that second stanza of the Lord will make a way somehow, try to do my best in service, try to do the best I can. But when I, when I choose to do the right thing, evil's present on. There's a painful exclamation in the second movement of our passage On the one hand, there's the positive expectation on Paul's part of his intent to do good, to be good. But the exclamation point is, when I do it, 
Sometimes at the exact moment you do it, you said, where did that idea come from? When I would do good, evil is present. Paul says something that's patently painful for all of us. You know, when I read this part of the passage, it's, it's like what David says in the third stanza of Psalm 51. He says, for I acknowledge my transgressions and my sin is ever before me. He says, no matter what I do, sin's always flashing. We don't have to look hard. We don't have to look far to see evil in this world. To see evil in others, to see evil around us. But some of us have problems seeing it in ourselves. We can see it in everybody else. Everybody else got a problem. Everybody else's child got an issue. But we can't see it in ourselves. What I'm telling you this morning is check the flash. If you look clearly, if you just close your eyes, there's a sin alert coming across the screen. When I would do good, evil is present. This text is not talking about a Super Bowl. It's talking about a super struggle. We ain't here to talk about no Super Bowl today. We're talking about a super struggle. Paul said, when I would do Is that your experience? It's my experience. Paul despairs of this soul. If you read the text, he says, Oh, wretched man am I. <laughs> oh, wretched man am I. Who will deliver me from this body of death? And we miss it in translation. Uh, some Greek scholars say it's a word picture because uh, one of the penal punishments in this era was they would tie a corpse to you and you'd have to drag it around in the street. The stink of it and the stench of it, you would have to deal with it, the maggots, all of that. Paul said, that's what it's like. This evil in me, it's like pulling something dead around. There's a super struggle. Some of us don't get this and so we think good is good enough. The home we lived in in Kentucky before moving here had a beautiful and spacious lawn and one of the things I really enjoyed was cutting the grass. It was about an acre and a half. took about an hour and a half to, to cut it and trim it but the blend of alfalfa and Kentucky bluegrass when it was cut, it was just something to see and I'd just sit there on the deck and just enjoy it. And I loved cutting it in the spring but there was a spot. Early spring, it looked like everything else. But as spring turned into summer, this particular spot lost its luster. No amount of seeding, no amount of watering. I never could figure out why the grass had a problem there as the season went on. I thought maybe something in the soil Maybe something under the soil. I never figured that out. We all got some spots like that. We've seeded. We've watered. 
We fertilized it. We prayed about it. That was what Paul was dealing with later when he writes, there's a thorn in my flesh. I asked the Lord to take it. But the Lord left it because he wanted me to know his grace. Painful as it is sometimes, I've come to a place where I thank him for the struggles. Because it's still true if I never had a problem. I would know God could solve it. Keeps me grounded. Keeps me level. So when I'm telling you today, this painful exclamation, you need to understand there are some memories and some mistakes that don't easily go away. There are some hurts and some habits that we struggle with. There are some wants and weaknesses that sometimes cling to us like a garment and, and the worst thing you can do is deny the truth of that. We don't struggle with everything, but we all struggle with something. Can I say that again? We don't struggle with everything, but we all struggle with something. It could be a relationship. It could be a child. It could be a situation at work. There's a whole lot of stuff that comes at us that reminds us that good is not good enough. So when we look at the word of God and we see others, great heroes of our faith who struggle, what can we find? How do they handle it? Perhaps it gives you some solace. Abraham lied about his. Isaac was conned with his. Jacob limped away from his. David, he surrendered to his. Jeremiah, he wept through his and and got so upset, he said, I'm going to quit. But when he got ready to walk off, it was like fire. Jeremiah wept, resigned, but Ezekiel sat through his. He sat where the people sat. God wouldn't even allow him to preach a sermon. Jonah pouted through his. John Mark wimped out on his. Peter denied his. He said, everybody else going to leave you, but I'll be here. There's a positive expectation. There's a painful explanation. But I'm so glad the text don't end that way. There's a pleasing exaltation. It's in the text. You know, he goes through the expectation. He talks about the exclamation. It's painful to know that there is this wretchedness in his life he can't seem to get rid of. But thank God we don't have to stay there. He said, this is the exaltation, this is the delight, this is the excitement, the ecstasy in what he says, the joy of it, the pleasure of it. He says, I thank God. I thank God. (laughs) That's what Paul says. I thank God through Jesus Christ, our Lord. You know, early in the week, I I was really looking at Psalm 22. 
stanza three is the one place where the word of God says that God inhabits the praises of his people. I went through Young's analytical concordance last night. I tried to find another place where I could see that. It's not the building he inhabits. It's not the choir stand he inhabits. It's not the baptismal pool or the fellowship hall. If you want God to show up in here, start praising his holy. He inhabits the praises of his covenant people. And I almost thought for a moment about preaching about how to make room for God in our worship. But then when I got to the end of this message, I realized they were really into wine. Because one reason we don't make room for God in our worship is that we're filled with so much self-righteousness. Filled with so much self-assurance. Filled with so much self-confidence. Filled with so much self-satisfaction that we can't get to the place where we can say if it had not been for the Lord on my side, where would I be? When you've come to the place where you realize good is not good enough, it'll cause you to worship God. When your mind looks back and wonder how you got over and you know it was the Lord that brought you out, it'll make you worship him. When you know his grace is sufficient, when you know he loved us so much that he came down, because the Bible says, I thank God. It doesn't just say I thank God, because I can thank God for his omniscience. I can thank God for his omnipresence. I can thank God for his omnipotence. I can thank God for his righteousness. I can thank God for his justice. I can thank God for making me in his image. But it says through Jesus Christ, God wasn't satisfied with just staying in glory, but he came down through 42 generations because he knew that all my righteousness is as filthy rags before the Lord. And he knew that none is righteous, no, not one. And he knew that all had sinned and come short of the glory of God. But I'm happy today that my good is not the factor. I'm happy today that it's not the last determination. I'm happy today that it's Jesus Christ who was perfectly good. He was tempted at all points and never committed a sin. And he died on an old rugged cross. He died so I might live. He died so our ancestors could sing what can wash away my sin. Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. What can make me hold again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus Christ. I do have a witness. I'm not a good man. I'm a grace man. I'm not a good husband. I'm a grace husband. I do have a witness. I'm not a good pastor, but by God's grace and by God's mercy, he helped me stand up and preach his word. He helped me love folk that don't love you back. 
a witness. I'm not a good friend. I'm a grace friend. Is he able? Is he able? Some of you acting like uh, you too good. I'm not too good. They said, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. You brought me a mighty long way. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. In my super struggle, you outdistance the competition. You audible at the line of scrimmage and made a way out of no way. Is he able? Is he able? You have been listening to Advancing Word with Dr. T.D. Stubblefield. We pray that you have been encouraged with what your ears have heard and your hearts have felt. Explore our website at tdstubblefield.org for more information about us and to obtain resources provided by T.D. Stubblefield Ministries. Until next time, be blessed and remember to stop stressing and start stepping, advancing in faith, hope, and love by reading and applying the Word of God so you can stand on certain truth for uncertain times.